Hey, listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top 10. We fear the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. What is up, Turf fans? Fred, Ryan, Ahmed back for another episode of the Shell and Tell podcast. It's been about a month, I think, at this point since we've been on the mics together. Uh, hasn't been a whole lot going on in the, the Maryland sports world, but there's been a whole lot going on in the Maryland sports world, if that makes sense. Yeah, our normal <laughs> our normal stuff, the basketball, football, the meat and potatoes, not so much. But heck, we got another national championship at University of Maryland with a lacrosse team taking care of business and that hasn't been the only stuff going on yeah we discussed a controversial call and heartbreaking end to a truly historic season for terps baseball yeah we're going to catch you up on the latest buzz around the new terps uh, squad going into uh, year one under head coach kevin willard uh reeling in two of the last scholarship players on the 2022-23 roster so uh lot lot to go over oh canada (laughs) somehow that's got a weird tie-in we'll talk about it we're actually going to bring back the mailbag this week too a lot of fans have been uh, asking about that and that's been a popular segment of ours in the past so stay tuned until the end make sure you hear your questions answered on the show so i mentioned it Controversial ending in the final game of the NCAA regionals for the baseball team against UConn, denying the Terps their first Super Regionals appearance, which would have been since 2015. Team had their hearts pulled out, man. I mean, you can't say it any other way. Losing to UConn 11 to 8 on Sunday under the lights at the Bob. Uh, But before... Before we talk about the hot button topic that I know Ryan's itching to already talk about. Fuck you, Jeff Head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's catch up a little bit on how we got to that point before we lose our shit, because I know that's what's going to happen here. <laughs> you got to give kudos, first of all, and first and foremost to the fans, man. Filling the house all weekend, a very loud and engaged atmosphere there. You and I got a chance to see it firsthand. We went there for the game that we'll talk about later. <laughs> uh, but the team, honestly, they deserve that kind of showing for a, for a crowd that for a house that only held 3000 fans, man, they, uh, they made the presence known. Yeah. They made their presence known before the bad call. And they certainly made the PG County presence known afterwards. They gave them a good old college park. Welcoming. <laughs> they did for sure. I, I know they had some uh, temporary bleachers out there. Can we please make that a permanent thing? I feel like, just having that the the fans from the other side of the field coming across one it visually looks better two it's a louder environment and it it obviously can house that many people without a problem i don't see why it's not a permanent thing yeah, I absolutely think it's a permanent thing. In fact, I think they probably needed to make it more symmetrical and put it on both sides of that vision wall out there in center field. Have you taken a look at that, Ahmed? How do you feel about the the new setup? Yeah, it looks pretty cool. I was actually driving around campus uh, last week and I noticed that the, uh, the the temporary bleachers, I guess they were sitting in the the old practice, uh, the outdoor field yep. of where they uh, the football team used to go and now uh, soccer team uh, that, where they practice now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you obviously are showing... Uh, this this past week, 
uh, you know, the the excitement and the ability to attract the fans and fill the seats, like we said. Um, yeah, I think it's a definitely a great environment when you said when you when you talk about it like that. Um, definitely getting a way to increase that capacity. I think just kind of capitalizing on that uh, renewed interest in the program. Yeah, uh, coming off a historic season like that. So yeah, I think it would be uh, very very interesting for Maryland to kind of take a look at now that it's the off season. So see see how how you're able to you know upgrade the stadium a little bit. And Fred and I were at a, had a very interesting view. Uh, we were sitting there at Stadium of first on first baseline, and I don't know if they had like a big wig session going on in the football stadium or what, but it looked like they were projecting the baseball game ESPNU on our new giant jumbotron that has made all the lacrosse games better, all the football games better. And shockingly enough, if I had a chainsaw, it would have made the baseball game better <laughs> because that thing is so big that you can sit on the first base side and see a full projection of the game all you gotta do is drop two trees i will donate six trees to cut down those two trees for the baseball team let's go <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll add you i'll add four to that <laughs> that needs to be a thing because i mean visually their scoreboard is lacking to say the least i mean it's literally yeah. i've seen high schools you know with better scoreboards than that you'd have a perfect view from pretty much anywhere in that stadium you just gotta make the font real big but it's still gonna be better than what they have where they are i mean it's for a sure. mile away and it still looked full size two birds one stone if you want to be cheap the university of maryland all you gotta do is cut some damn trees down yeah it seems real easy it's literally free i'll donate the chainsaw <laughs> uh and you know like you said it's it just an amazing season right they end up finishing 27 and 4 overall specifically at home um but let's talk about like how how they got to the to the finals right you know they opened the regionals by dominating liu 23 to 2 I mean, that's fourth most yeah. run in NCAA tournament game ever. I mean, I expected them to put up runs, but to do it in that kind of fashion, unbelievable in their first showing in the tournament in a while. I don't know yeah, enough about baseball. Is this like a one sixteen matchup? Because as far as I know, we were like the 15th ranked team, so we shouldn't have had that kind of <laughs> dominant you know, spectrum there. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty impressive. I believe I saw it was uh, every batter now uh, recorded a hit uh, yeah. going into, I think, the fourth inning. So that's, uh, yeah, and all of them had a, a run by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was a heck of a way to open it up. Yeah, three players of four RBIs or more in the game. You had Peltritz, uh, Scheffler, and LaRusso. Starting pitcher Ryan Ramsey went five innings to give up just four hits, no runs while striking out 11. We all know what Ryan Ramsey did earlier in the year. I mean, he's been the most consistent arm in that staff all year. That is my only question here is you used your ace against a team you beat 23 to two. So in the hindsight, the planning for it. of me of it, was that really where you wanted to use him? Because then you also later in the weekend needed to use him in relief. It doesn't normally like even in like major leagues don't you know when you open up a series don't you normally go with your ace in, in game one typically you do uh, and it all depends like you know what how many days rest these guys are on we don't I don't know exactly when the last time Ryan Ramsey pitched so yeah there's a lot to go into it and I'm not the baseball guy believe <laughs> me like I am a very casual baseball fan but it just felt weird that you use your your ace the best you have versus something that you clearly didn't need him for. Right. Well, speaking of pitchers, man, they end up using nine pitchers in the double header, which was a must win on both. Right. Because uh, they end up, you know, losing to UConn in one of the games. And then they end up winning versus uh, Wake Forest. Right. So they had to win both of those games to advance. They get through that come from behind at a 10 to five victory over Wake Forest after trailing five to two in the seventh inning. The walk-off victory over UConn in the first 
in the first rematch of that in 11 innings, set us up for the win or stay home game on Sunday night, which is the game that you and I went to yeah. versus UConn. It's a grueling uh, 20 innings on Sunday. Did not leave them with many pitching options for their Monday must-win game. That yeah. was clear as day. 30 innings. Have, 30 innings in two days. And when their starting yeah. pitcher gives up six runs on one hit because he walked everybody. Yeah. I think I could have pitched better because they would have hit everything I threw, and that would have given us a chance. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. They started off with a bang. Luke Ziegler's leadoff home run to start the game got us all amped up i'm telling you for yeah. three thousand fans that place loud, was, that place was jamming right out of the gate <laughs> definitely does not yeah. sound like our three thousand fan towson maryland football games <laughs> for certain <laughs> definitely not but it was it was kind of weird uh you know obviously it's being a tournament and its site you know was was predetermined it was weird to be the away team in your own ballpark it is very weird both things so we went to the big 10 lacrosse game in the in the, the in stadium the, yep and the football stadium and this this uh um national championship of baseball and the fact that they don't let the home teams do anything they take away all the theatrics it makes it a little weird like you would think that it would be more fun there'd be more like things going on but honestly uh, the regular season lacrosse games were way more fun than the Big Ten tournament was because they did not let us do any of our normal pump-up music. They don't let you do the intros the way they do. Right. And the same thing was true with baseball, where they were the home team, so they got their players announced, and we were just the dudes, and they got their walk-up music. It was really, really strange. Yeah, I thought so, too. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a little bizarre. Uh, but again, like I said, man, this game, it, it started off great. You had the Shigler home run, which, side note, he is an absolute warrior. This kid went three for four with a double, a home run, an RBI, a walk, and scored three runs and caught the entire game, all while apparently being super sick. I had heard that he couldn't get out of bed earlier in the day that day, so to come back and play and have that kind of an impact in a game, uh, being that sick, that's super impressive what the kid did. That's very impressive. It's almost sad that a 55, 80-year-old man stole it from him. <laughs> yeah, what could have happened? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that you talked about pitching earlier. That was one of my question marks going into this game. I know that they had thrown all the arms out there in the do or die doubleheader, right? So they had they had to win those games to get here. They had freshman Andrew Johnson on the mound to start this game, picked up two quick outs right in the bottom of the first, and you thought things were going to roll okay, and then the wheels just kind of fell off. He had four consecutive walks and eventually was pulled from the game. I can't imagine having that kind of pressure as a freshman in a do or die win or go home type game. But it got so much worse because the guy they brought in the very first pitch, he beamed the batter. It didn't even take him four pitches to walk a run in. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, brutal. brutal way to open the game. It was pretty bad. Yeah, it didn't stop there. The next X guy ends up hitting a grand slam force. Next thing you know, I mean, it quickly got the nine to one. And I know, you know, a lot of fans. I literally turned to Fred and I was like, bro, where are we eating? Like, let's just get out of here. <laughs> but no, Fred's like, this team could put up runs. No. There's no way. They'll, it'll be fine. I'm we, like, what are you watching? We saw it in that game versus LIU. <laughs> they scored six in one inning and seven in another inning back to back. Like, this team can put up runs and put them up in a hurry. And and honestly, they didn't do it in a hurry. They just kind of chipped away inning after inning after inning after inning in this game, uh, led by Bubba Aline, you know, the, the super senior at this point. Solo shot in the sixth, brought it to within three runs. His 24th home run of the year, which is most in program history in a single season. That's super impressive. That kid, he's going to be the real deal. That kid's got it all. We'll talk about him in a minute. 
But we got to fast forward to the hot button topic of the night. I know you want to talk about this, right? Uh, this is the topic of the night, the weekend, the season. They cut the lead down to two in the eighth, have a runner on third with one out. In steps your best hitter, your best player in bubbling. Pause. I'm going to start this over even earlier. We got to talk about the fate of this inning. This inning was nothing but fate. The beginning of the inning starts with a dead to rights out to center field where three of their players are standing around trying to find this ball and cannot find this ball. Maybe it, it got lands. lost in the extra bank of lights. It, it was up it lands. Oh, yeah. I do need an explanation on that, too, Maryland. I, I, we have plenty of lights around this field. We've played night games there before, but for some reason we had to pay a generator and some crane with extra lights on it for this. The NCAA must have like some decibel meter of like it, it needs 337 watts and you only have 320 watts in center right field. I just I don't know. The compliance girl next to us said that's probably exactly what it is. The the rule books four four inches thick that were for the NCAA games. Very possible. It could have been with uh yes that one was uh, I think on ESPN, whereas yeah. the others were on ESPN Plus, that might have made a difference. Might have been something. End. Hopefully, they were yeah. putting the bill for that diesel generator then. <laughs> but anyway, we did that. Then there was a uh, player that was going to get thrown out on a steal that went that went wrong. Yeah. There was like it was just like you're right. All the stars were kind of aligned. We were we were scoring when we shouldn't have been. There were like three or four runs scored in this inning already, and and the play happens. Yeah, in steps Bubba, the team leader. Like I said, in pretty much every way. Walk us through it, man. Walk us through what happens. I mean, obviously, it's a dribbler down the line, and it all happens kind of fast when you're in the stadium and you don't have a video board to see a replay on. That's the thing that sucks. But thank God for social media and good cell phone reception because I was quickly able to find everybody bitching about it on Twitter quickly and all the videos very quickly. I will say uh, that is another benefit of only having 3,000 people there because during football season, I ain't got shit for service. But <laughs> we were able to find everything in an instant that was being posted by this, this play in the stands. We may be an asshole crowd, but we are an informed asshole crowd at University of Maryland. <laughs> they had his name, his home address, what his kids' names are. They it was all over from the from there. And, and I know we all didn't like it. We didn't like the way it unfolded. Uh, but by the rules, the rule was the ruling was correct by the rules. So what we saw was a dribbler down the first base line. The runner from third scored. Clearly scored before anything happens. Then Cheeseburger, the chubby pitcher, gets his ball and tries to throw it to the mountain at first base that I had already commented to Fred. I don't even have to guess this boy's from Iowa on first base because the dude was (laughs) a mountain. And he is standing in foul territory. Foul territory is where this runner's box everyone is discussing is. He was blocking all of foul territory. But Chubby Pitcher Man threw a terrible play back into fair territory, and Mountain <laughs> clotheslined our speedy little ru- runner that's got to be 100 pounds less than the Mountain, who certainly didn't want any of that juice in that contact, <laughs> but received it. And then an old sad man, who the first base ump or infield first ump base and second base him ump safe. were both there, both called him safe. And then old sad man wandered slowly from his home plate <laughs> into screen, got within five feet of a college athlete and called him out to his face aggressively. Yeah. To which, of course, 
he got an aggressive comeback because this is in the heat of a moment in a big time game where this dude literally came back to win. He could have went to the league last year. He came back saying he wants to win something. He has done nothing but that. He brought winning to Maryland baseball and you're stealing it from him in live time in his face. And then when you get jawed at by this player that clearly was going to happen the way you did it to him, where you slow rolled it and you did it in his face, you then jaw back at him and stay in his face and head bob at this kid. I mean, I know he's an adult. Let's be it's college sports, but this is a 60 year old man coming at this 20 year old in this authoritarian. The only way 2022 is where umpires think they're part of the game. They think they're part of the show. We didn't come there to watch you. Um, we didn't. Uh, I agree. And Make I the call. Maybe it was the right call. I think it's a shit call. But even if it's the right call, the way it was done was completely wrong. You can call him out from where you're standing because you clearly didn't come there to make the, the play. You didn't run there, get a good angle and make the call. So you watched it from afar. You wandered to his face. You make the call and stand there. All you a, gotta do is make a call there's from a couple afar of and things, turn away. There's a couple of things to unfold with that, right? So the home plate umpire is the chief umpire. He is the overruling umpire. So he has to come down and overrule the call, and he has to explain the overruling to the umpire he is overturning. He right? never talked to the so umpire. He, he came talked to down. Kid. He didn't get to that point. He didn't get a chance to get to that point. So he came down the line to make the call amongst fans going crazy because it was very loud in there, right? So Because I, I we just saw a fate play for the third time I, that inning. I understand, <laughs> but what I'm saying is I think you're going a little overboard with that, that it was intent, and he was getting in his face and doing all these things. No, he came down the line to overrule a call, he got barked back at, rightfully so, like you said, by Bubba, but you don't know what words were said by Bubba in that in that in exchange, right? It could have been anything, you know, it could have been I mean, he didn't eject him, so it must not have been that bad because he definitely wanted to. I'm just to. saying it could have been anything. But either way, <laughs> yeah. the the problem to me wasn't the reaction. It wasn't him making the overruling. It was the fact that they made a call on a play that Nine times out of 10 never gets made. The guy was, if you could say he was in fair territory, if he was on the inside of that line, it was, it was for the last two steps to the bag. And it was six inches inside that line because there was a mountain standing in the runner's box. And then the other part of it, right, is in order for it to be classified as interference, it has to interfere with the throw to the first baseman. The ball never went to the first baseman. It went to the second baseman behind him, which was the problem and which is why everybody erupted the way that they did. So then it goes to the replay which you think in my head, this is why I stayed calm the entire time. And the replay should have, I thought the replay was going to fix it. It didn't. And that's where I really have a problem is the on the field in the moment call. I could see him making that call and being wrong, but you had a chance to fix it and they still didn't fix it in a game changing momentum swinging end of the season type play like that. That's where my issue is. But you said it, you said you have to come down and overrule the umpire. You're overruling. Mm Mm-hmm. I was an umpire longer than I played baseball. I was an umpire for six years. So you have to 
Go talk to those umpires. It's, you see it all the time. They huddle. I saw it this way. You saw it this way. Here's the call. I make the ruling. He didn't do that. He decided I'm judge, jury, and executioner, which he has a history of doing. Yeah. As they posted online, has he has a history of doing this versus Arkansas. He yeah. has a history of doing this in LSU. He has a history of being, I'm yeah. the guy. Look how special I am. And that's exactly what he showed there. He ignored his coworkers. He got in the face of the player, and he did that, and he stayed in the moment even if maybe i could maybe excuse the out but when you do that and you stay there in the moment you know what's coming next you call him yeah. out you know what's coming next you walk away and if it gets over you know if, he, if the guy gets by his first base coach who did a great job de-escalating that because it could have very easily been a benches clearing brawl in college park and would have been a real bad look i you you just don't do it. I I, I I I got over the call. Like I was angry about the call in the moment, and was angry about the call for a day. But when I went back and watched these videos, I can get over the call. I cannot get over that umpire's actions. I can't do it. Oh man, there's a lot of hot air and humidity in this room right now because Ryan is fuming right now. What was your take so, on the whole thing? So so I think I think you know uh, Rob Bond. I caught him you know after the game when he was talking about it, and he brought up the fact he was like you know we kind of. You look at the replay ability in baseball and, you know, you thought that it would be overturned and he went to the replay and, you know, they upheld the this, the, the call. Um, so I think from that regard, and I, you know, again, like I'm not a baseball expert either. I did not play much baseball growing up. I think I quit pretty, pretty early on. So I asked around a couple of people and they said, you know, this was the right call. It was just the way it's a shitty rule. It is. Um, but like you guys. It's I mean, a bad Ryan, rule like, and bad yeah. actions. Yeah, and like you said, Ryan, I think I think the the, the follow up action, how it was called, and like you said, the drawing back and forth. Uh, shout out Anthony Papio for for holding him back to, from yeah. the, from the uh, umpire there. Um, but yeah, I, I just think the the the, the follow up was was wrong. Um, but uh, I think maybe the rest you know, of the follow up was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think it was pretty interesting. But yeah, I mean, I think you know Vaughn, I think kind of took took the high road and and kind of took it as a moment to to appreciate you know maybe the advancements in baseball from the techno technology standpoint. But uh, yeah, I mean, even live, like when I was watching replays and whatnot, doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I believe you always as the runner, you always have the ability to you know you have that right away to especially to run through. So I felt like you know watching it live, I I couldn't understand why he'd be called out in that situation. So, uh, you know, you kind of hope that, you know, maybe it's a sh shitty situation and you kind of hope that maybe, uh, you know, after the fact, maybe this off season, you know, maybe it, this is help helps bring it to light and maybe proposes a rule change or whatnot. But, uh, Ryan, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you just the, the way that the umpire kind of handled that call, uh, just didn't yeah. really seem classy. Professional. Uh, and I think that exactly. And I, I think that, that, that's kind of, uh, adds to the, the, uh, frustration it and definitely adds to why it was so viewed, why it was yeah. national news and not just Maryland news, why it was covered by the Canadian baseball coach and the ESPNs of the world and everyone and uh, yeah. barstool, like actual barstool, not barstool UMD, like everyone covered this instantly because of yeah. the bad optics that it had period i do think the one were the away team but the one thing that vaughn was able to take from us being the away team at college park was the fact he didn't have to get ejected for this call because i truly yeah. believe if he was on a, a neutral field somewhere else or in somebody else's he's getting ejected there 
but the fans were I was able about to say to he had three thousand injection yeah. for him. He had three thousand <laughs> Vaughns in the stand yelling at him. Yeah, so. I was waiting for the ump to start like plucking people one by one, and I didn't give a crap if it was going to be me because there were a, I. And about 300 other people should have been thrown out of that game. But there, there were, were so many of us that there was just no way. There were <laughs> fans following him to his car, yelling at him as he's going to his car. I'm not night. shocked. Like, yeah. it, it, like, I mean, I wouldn't have done anything to the guy, but I might have, if I knew where they parked, at least gone and yelled. Yeah. <laughs> if, I were, if I was in college, I would have 100%. Oh, if I was in college, 100%, I would yeah. be like, we I need mean, to I, find this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's, uh, you know, I have no doubt that the Maryland fans <laughs> let them know exactly how they yeah, felt. Yeah, you got right the full PG County welcome for sure. Yeah, uh, so. we bring that energy to the football stadium this fall, everyone. <laughs> bring it. They need it. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know you didn't watch baseball until today. Why are you able to summon so much energy? <laughs> bring it. Bring it to football. <laughs> yeah, it, w- it was. It was a very heartbreaking way to see their season end after such a good year. I mean, they won the Big Ten regular season title, set a program record in overall wins at forty eight. Finished with a team record and finished second in the NCAA in home runs as a team with 137, only trailing number one, Tennessee, who had 150. Like we talked about, senior leader Chris Aline was an absolute monster this year. First team All-American, Big Ten Player of the Year. Like I said, this kid, he will be playing at the major league level at some point. He has all the tools, speed, power, range, arm strength, great batter's eye. I mean, a workman's like mentality, and we saw all of that in this series. You did see all of that. I am very sorry to say, though, uh, Shell and Tell will be retiring their baseball uh, attendance because we uh, went to two <laughs> games this year. Uh, we went to the Maryland Day baseball game, which was the only game versus Northwestern they lost after throwing a perfect game the night before and winning by 23 runs the first game. And then we went to this game and watched uh, six runs on one hit and the world's worst call in order to end up with a loss. So we're sorry, everyone, and we will stop coming to the stadium and we will watch from afar. I hadn't thought about it that far, but you're you're right. Uh, but a program that Shell and Tell couldn't do any damage to. No, we went to all the wins. And, just like else. and did not end in heartbreaking fashion. The Maryland men's lacrosse team. I mean, they've got all the records we've mentioned. Uh, they, they set the record as far as how many wins in a year. They win the national title going undefeated. Uh, in a closer game in the championship game that I would have liked to have seen in a much closer game than you saw all year, but that's what you expect out of a championship game. Point is they were able to get the job done and bring the title back to Maryland. Yeah. Now it all matters. Everything we've talked about, we've talked about being the highest scoring team. We've talked about personal scoring records and win records and most players draft and all these things. And, that would have all meant literally nothing if you don't get it done this year yeah. because you went undefeated last year until the national championship game and lost. So it would have been just the same a repeat of last year. Yeah. Uh, I think it was really interesting. I mean, like you guys said, it was a closer game. And, you know, that fourth quarter, uh, I think it what was it, the 9 3 going into the fourth. I yeah. think they, at one point they, they led 9 2. Um, and you just kind of tell, you could tell that they were a little out of energy and you just were kind of, I got nervous you know, with that yeah. 70 minute mark um, and you can make the argument that maybe it was the sloppiest game or the, they're at the end at least, uh, all season, but yeah I mean, I think kind of going into the uh, NCAA tournament, um, you know, I'm, I always kind of go in that mindset of when you're going through the regular season and you go undefeated, well it's not a bad thing if you lose one and you kind of helps you, you know, come back to earth and recalibrate and, you know, kind of 
gear up for postseason. At the end of the day, you know, you lose one game, you still win that championship. Who the hell cares about that one game? But <laughs> right. I mean, I just think the way that you know you you are dominant from beginning to end. Uh, obviously, Logan Wisnowski is also capping it off with uh, the number one overall selection in the uh, in the uh, PLL. So uh, I think it's just a uh, uh, you know I think the, the way and the Tillman award he won the award yeah. as well. Exactly. And uh, uh, Tillman, you know, catching a lot of flack over the years of not being able to finish, you know, when it matters and just being able to to pull off this historic season. Um, just ha- hats off to him. And it was really good to see the emotions, man. You saw it uh, with all of the players on the field, running into the fan, into the stands to hug their parents. And uh, it, it, you could just tell that, you know, this was. This was a lot to them. It wasn't just a walk in the park. This wasn't, you know, like a, a given that they were going to win this national title. You would have thought it was a given last year, to your point, Ryan. They didn't want to be in that position again, uh, and they did it. You know, they were able to bring it home, and it's uh, congratulations to that squad. Yeah, you really, I mean, we knew how good they were last year, but I don't think we really realized, like, the historic nature of that team last year and the fact that when we watched Maryland and Virginia live, like, it felt promoted as kind of an equal matchup, but it really wasn't. Virginia already had four losses on the season and we were undefeated and had not quite blown people out the way they did. But now when you see it as a whole, like really the letdown of that one game, you can understand how epic it was because I don't think anyone that showed up that day believed they could be beat by Virginia. And they were just, they were just like showing up on national stage. Think about last year and the roster that they had. They had two of the greatest Terps ever in Bernhardt and Wisnowskis on the roster together. And they had Weirman undefeated till that moment. And they had Weirman on that roster too. I mean, they were just a really, really good team. So Weirman came off the bench and almost finished it. They did. that six seconds left, he won the face off and ran down and just yeah. barely missed that goal. We could be talking about back to back two inches, championships two here. inches to the right, and we could be talking about national championships back to back. It's crazy, but you know, got to give kudos to the ladies lacrosse team too, uh, who fell short uh, I think in it's the why final. Why got so nervous? Is the crazy comeback? <laughs> we had already seen it once. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, here we go again. It was uh, it was a crazy game. Listen, uh, Boston College is a very talented team. I can't think of the girl's name right now, but she is an absolute monster. She's the one that won the Thwarton Award for the women's lacrosse team. Uh, she's an absolute beast. She could score it will. Reminded me a lot of Bernhardt last year, but on the female side. Um, but kudos to to the Lady Terps for a great year. Um, had that heart ripped out with a comeback win from Boston College. They yeah. had it seemed to seemingly all put away, and what, what was it four un, unscored go, or unanswered goals yeah. at the end? Yeah, yeah, heartbreaker. Yeah, absolutely. Right at the end too. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's move to the uh, the hardwood. Let's talk a little bit of men's basketball. Right as uh, we had talked the last show a little bit about Jameer Young and Donald Carey and the potential of them coming, and we expected them to potentially withdrawal their NBA draft eligibility. Well, that did to come to fruition. They actually uh, did it. They did it. They they withdrew their NBA draft eligibility, meaning that they will come to College Park and be a part of this rotation. No matter how hesitant they sounded on, on many times when I listened to them, that they were still considering the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a, touch a little bit on your expectations with these guys. Like, What do you see? What kind of impact do you think that both of them become immediate starters or do you see them as rotational kind of guys? Yeah, I see him, you know, kind of filling in for, you know, Fats and, and Ayala at the one and two. I think Jameer Young, I think he can do it all. I think he's able to to shoot outside, but I think he does a really good job just kind of handling the ball and uses his size to get crafty and, and get inside the paint 
uh, penetrate. Uh, he's able to get to the rim pretty easily. And Donald Carey, um, veteran leadership. He waited until the last day. There, were, I think there was one hint, uh, one tweet, I think the, the two or three days before, but there was no official announcement from Carey until the day of the deadline. Uh, but I think him just kind of coming to College Park, he he uh, brings that expertise and he brings that leadership. And I think that's that's a big aspect that, you know, when you look on paper and you look at, you know, how, how does everyone fit in? I think we kind of overlook the culture uh, and, you know, the day-to-day and, you know, the team aspect. And I think that's an area where Kerry uh, behind the scenes can kind of help uh, fill in that role. One of the areas that we struggled as a team last year was three-point shooting. Do you see these guys improving that area? Uh, I think Kerry can, and I think Young has shown that he's capable of it. Uh, I think he had a little bit of a dip last season, uh, but um, I think obviously, like you said, you know, you're, we're going to look at you know guys like uh, Dante Scott and uh, Noah Bachelor, who is known to be able to shoot threes. You know, whether it's you know in a smaller role in the next next season and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I think I think you you can see that. I think they also kind of just help with floor spacing overall. Uh, um, with like I said, with Dante and Julian Reese, Akeem Hart. Um, so I think that that that's kind of where they do it. I think that is also kind of a question mark. I kind of thought that Maryland uh, earlier in, in the portal when they had multiple, uh, you know, roster spots to fill, um, there was a, a, a couple guys that, you know, three-point specialists that Maryland had heard from. Uh, Cam Spencer was another from uh, Loyola, Maryland that right. said that, you know, Maryland was reaching out and that kind of, you know, finding a guy maybe like a Logan Aaron Holt role uh, where, you know, you knew that, you know, maybe he plays maybe 10, 15 minutes a game, but he's your three-point guy and he comes off the bench. And I kind of, in the back of my mind, thought that you know maybe Maryland, you know maybe they do go that route, uh, but they all obviously didn't. Uh, so I think you know that that could be an area of concern next year. So um, you know I think Akeem Hart and Dante Scott showed showed that they can do it, and now it's just about uh, being consistent. Though Akeem Hart did show he's he's more consistent with it. I have a question about last year's squad. We mentioned him again, Eric Ayala. What is he doing right now? Is he trying out for European squads? I is saw he getting him, a real uh, job? I saw is him he... working out with the Wizards. He was yeah, working. him and uh, him and Darren Marcel. It was actually pretty cool to see them kind of clowning yeah. each other during uh, NBA media interviews. Um, and I think Faz Russell as well. I saw him uh, doing some workouts as well. Um, per professional. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, even those, even if those guys don't go NBA, you know, go to Europe, go to Australia, you know, there's the, the the amenities and the support and some of these international leagues uh, are so great. And the fans experience at some of these, you know, especially in Europe uh, is so strong. So I think it's, it's still good atmosphere. That's good to hear. Well, so we're talking about young and carry coming in as immediate impact transfers. Let's talk about a a few commitments that we recently got Uh, a few days ago. We get a local guy out of St. Francis Academy guard, Jonathan. Is it Lamuth committed to Maryland last weekend? Lamuth, yeah, uh, yeah, six four, hundred eighty pound guy. I saw, seen, seen him watch. Or excuse me, I've watched him a couple of times so far. Um, and he was a guy that even when Turgeon was here, um, sorry to bring that name up, but, uh, <laughs> but even when he had the scholarship, it always kind of felt that you know Maryland was going to be the school that he ended up at. And then when Willard reaffirmed the offer, you know, really just all the talk was you know Maryland's a school. And I remember asking. You know, after he took the Georgetown official, I asked someone uh, close to him and it was like, hey, you know, Georgetown, is that like viable? You know, obviously Patrick Ewing's trying to save his job really for next year, which is why the transfer portal become, you know, the, for guys that are looking, uh, looking for immediate impact roles like Brandon Murray, that's why it's appealing. But for a guy that's looking at, you know, spending 
you know, possibly three, four years or two years, even, uh, you know, that's not well, a couple uh, months not, like we saw last year. <laughs> exactly. Or a couple months, you know, maybe third, third, third game Ewing's gone. Uh, he, yeah, he, he wants to go back on the bench to the Knicks. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think, you know, I always kind of felt that way. And now he's being an avid, avid recruiter from Maryland. So, um, expected, but definitely a good pickup, uh, good coming from a good program, yeah. uh, local guy. And then, like you said, team Durant. Yeah, yeah. The, the team Durant. So I, I believe we talked many times about our coaching staff. We got a few people that were involved in that program. Do you think that helped swing uh, this further and commit that he was familiar with those phases? Yeah, Tony Skin was doing a really good job. He he had known Lamoth from uh, you know dating back to when he was at Ohio State, and obviously director of player personnel Tavon Sadler. He's in the program right now, and he played at St. Francis back in the day. So that was just an added familiarity. Um, he took an unofficial. Uh, I want to say five six weeks ago. Um, the whole staff was with him the entire time mom was with him on campus so just kind of being able to get all that uh, i think just kind of helped set the foundation you know whether there were any you know maybe second questions or you know what what is what does this kind of look like i think that kind of you know eased some concerns and then once they brought him in for an official uh he he committed that sunday or that friday and committed uh publicly sunday so um definitely i think just kind of the emphasis on the area uh look i was talking with uh, jamie kaiser's dad uh this evening as well um, and he kind of mentioned, you know, Maryland's just the, 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 the focus to keep the homegrown talent uh, at Maryland. That never thing. hurts, so, <laughs> especially yeah, with Team Durant exactly. Tunnel there. And, that sounds great. And, and, and you know what? That's why Maryland, you know, I, I've been doing this since, what, 2014 now. Um, and I feel like all I've heard is, you know, stay home movement, you know, football. And obviously, I'm, you know, right. newer to basketball recently. But, you know, that's why you'll always hear about it because there's always going to be talent in the backyard. So just having that message resonate a little bit more under Willard, uh, I think that that really helps. Well, as important as it is keeping the guys local home, got to talk about today's we gotta talk about Canadian Terp News, eh? Hey. got to talk about that. We got a couple of Canadians under roster now. So tell us a little about, about the two guys coming from Canada. Yeah, uh, Caitlin uh, Swainton Roger. He uh, Maryland announced him today. Uh, six foot eleven, two hundred twenty pound center uh, from Calgary. Um, you know, I think when you kind of look at you know maybe a month ago or so, Maryland was looking at uh, F.A. Abudigi, uh, uh, portal guy from Washington State, and they were looking at Tafara Gapari, uh, who's another guy who's a high school guy. Um, so you, you obviously the focus was in the front court. You want to find an experienced guy, and then you want to find a guy that would help you know come into the program and have multiple years of eligibility ahead of him. And uh, Calum fits that bill of a guy that has multiple years ahead of him. Uh, I believe he's going to enroll in mid June, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that is uh, that that kind of fills that need right there. Um, and obviously with the front court, you know, you look at Dante Scott. Very likely that you know maybe this could be his last year here. And Julian Reese, you know, if he has a great year, I mean, you look at Jalen Smith after you know the season one to season two progression. Right. Uh, maybe you know Julian Reese gets that, and then got that you know, shell and tell bump. He'll be good. He'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We we got that nil money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I mean, Caleb kind of helps stabilize that. Obviously, Maryland will look you know to to, to replenish the front court next year, but uh, just establishing that long term depth. That that's kind of where he uh, fits in. All right. Tell us a little bit about the breaking news happened right before we went live. A grad <laughs> transfer from St. Francis, Brooklyn. Yeah, I was talking with this coach on what was it, Wednesday morning. Uh, so Patrick Chameleon, he never visited uh, under Maryland, uh, but his sister plays soccer at Howard. Uh, okay. So that was kind of why that he was always familiar. And obviously they, they cited just being in the D.C. area, the third biggest one of the biggest uh, media markets in the country. Um, so that's a, that was obviously the big appeal out of him, uh, six foot seven, 205 pound guy from Toronto, Toronto basketball Academy. Uh, they actually had a couple of guys that 
uh, uh, Turgeon than the, the previous staff was uh, interested in. Sorry, I keep bringing them up. That's the second and <laughs> last time. But, Put uh, a dollar in the swear jar. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, obviously, I mean, uh, UMass, uh, St. Bonaventure, UConn, they were all interested. Uh, had a visit set for St. Bonaventure, uh, and UConn was uh, almost set. But, you know, once Maryland kind of started reaching out, started being consistent, it sounded like that was kind of. Uh, when he made the decision and you know like i said he did not visit campus before but there's familiarity with the area um and as i mentioned with caleb to, to find that guy where he has you know multiple years of eligibility emilian comes in as a grad transfer so this will be his one and only year in college park uh average 12, 12 and a half points per game 6.2 rebounds per game and 30 minutes of action last year at saint francis brooklyn uh started his career at western michigan uh where he got a little bit of playing time through his three years so Obviously, he's a guy, he, he's shown that he can score and kind of come in, um, you know, not going to say that he is a Galen Smith type, but when you look at, you know, the Galen Smith type minutes in the rotation, I think that's kind of where he fits in. Uh, so I think uh, now you can make a safe assumption that it'll be Dante Scott, Julian Reese in the front court. Well, it's better than uh, Cotus Wahab's minutes. I mean, we'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so so I think that that that, that kind of fits that need there. So uh, a little bit of versatile guy. So um, and that's your 22-23 roster. I like it, man. I like it. Those last minute additions. Always good to have, you know, a guy at 6'6", 205 pounds that can score the ball. It's always good to get late, you know, if you can fill out your roster that way. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. it was good good for the staff to be able to, obviously, you know, Abadiki, that was a guy that, uh, yeah. uh, excuse me, Abogidi, I think I mispronounced that name, but obviously, you know, that was a guy <laughs> that... God, you're you know, doing Mar- it. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, Maryland was in the mix for him for a long, long time, and I, I'll be honest, it really felt like it was going to end up being Maryland. It was not 100% done. Uh, I even reported that on the site, you know, even a couple days before... Uh, he, you know, things kind of went sideways. It was kind of all lining towards Maryland, but obviously, you know, the staff uh, didn't find themselves flat-footed. So just to be able to pivot, regroup, and now with the the the, the Jameer Young, Donald Carey, Noah Batcher, all those guys are already on campus. Jahari Long, all these guys are on campus. You know, summer workouts starting. Uh, so to be able to get these guys, uh, and uh, Emilian should be. I was told uh, June seventeenth is the target date for him to enroll. So. Nice. Uh, Big, big coup right there for Maryland. Um, and yeah, like I said, you know, that's the uh, now Willard, you know, draw, withdraws himself from the portal. And now it's about, you know, developing out this first roster. Yeah, well, players aren't the only thing he's adding around here. Why don't you tell us some of these big time games he's got lined up for us? Yeah, Maryland got a chance to announce the home and home with UCLA uh, December 14th. Uh, at the Xfinity Center. That's a name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what a heck of a matchup, honestly. I think, uh, you know, I think I was actually talking with uh, Adrian Dantley at the gym earlier this week, and he was like, hell, I might go. And I was like, well, yeah, that's because no one wants to watch Notre Dame. So uh, I think uh, just kind of getting that, obviously, in December this year, and then returning to uh, UCLA uh, December 22nd of the of 2023 um, and then uh, that matchup will come three days before they play Tennessee at the Barkley Center. So uh, that's a that's two really really big uh, non-conference matchups, and that's not even including the ACC Big Twelve or Big Ten Challenge. So uh, definitely definitely a uh, more attractive schedule than in years past. Yeah, not to mention you got the Hall of Fame Invitational versus Tennessee at the Barclays. That'll be a very entertaining game as well. Uh, obviously, the Niagara's of the world, the Coppin States of the world, the St. Peter's and UMBC's of the world that are on the schedule, they're all expected to be there. They're there pretty much every year with us, at least in rotation of some sort. Uh, but to get a UCLA and a Tennessee in your non-conference matchups, is huge. 
Yeah, I will definitely be at the Tennessee game because uh, I'm not going to say the number, but it's going to be the first anniversary of my 29th birthday exactly one week after. So uh, I think uh, my buddy went to Tennessee as well. So I think we're going up for uh, for that game, make a make a nice little trip out of it. So nice. um, it'll be, be nice. And obviously, you know, Maryland has a large contingency of alums in the New York, uh, New Jersey uh, area. So to be able to attract those guys and, and be able to get them out, um, obviously, Maryland was able to do that last year against Florida. So uh, I think just kind of tapping back into that is uh, definitely uh, just the cherry on top. And that UCLA game they lined up has already made Maryland some more money because I am officially uh, kind of a season ter- ticket holder for Maryland basketball. Kind of, sort of. Uh, I, I cashed in on their advertisement. They announced UCLA, and they put out the Terra Pass with like yeah. the moving season ticket thing. And I'm going to give it a shot. You know, it wasn't an unreasonable amount of money like most of the, se- the season passes are. Um, and with a, you guaranteeing a lower uh, bowl ticket for that UCLA game, uh, it put it over the edge for me. When I saw the advertisement, I'm like, I think a lot of people – are going to click this and try this for that amount of money. So I yeah. went ahead and bit before they sold them all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely attractive. You know, like you said, I think there, there was a lot of people talking about, you know, just going, going out to games. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Just kind of Maryland being able to, to, like I said, just, just tap into the uh, re- rejuvenated uh, buzz around the program now. Well, now that we know what this roster is going to look like and we know what the non-conference matchups are going to be, uh, I wanted to see kind of where the national audience kind of thought this Terps team would rank in the Big Ten. And actually, Andy Katz put out his latest Big Ten rankings after the NBA draft deadline. He has the Terps ranked 11th right now in the Big Ten out of 14, above Penn State, Northwestern, and Nebraska, right behind Minnesota. He's got Indiana, Michigan State, Illinois, and Michigan, one, two, three, four. Do you guys seeing that be realistic? Do you think it's under you had me at above penn state (laughs) (laughs) i I think uh i think i think because right before they they obviously they got both front court additions um you know i think that was that's no canada people in that list (laughs) (laughs) i think that that's kind of the biggest that was uh, a question mark so obviously i think being able to fill that out you can make the argument that maybe they jump one maybe two spots but i do think that you know there's just there is a lot of new pieces kind of seeing how they all a lot of unknowns um but yeah like you said you know i think the 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 depth behind this start in the front court i think that's one concern three-point shooting um then you have jahari long you know backing up uh uh uh, jameer young sorry about that that's right um yeah so i think when you look at uh, having jahari back there i think that you know backs having that backup point guard helps but you know do you have a third point guard i don't in my opinion ian martinez is not a point guard i think maybe as your third point guard option you know that is an option but you know switching him back to the two where you know he's just a more natural fit where you kind of capitalize on athleticism i think that's good but i think just kind of finding maybe you know another primary ball handler that can help guys uh just kind of balance things out so i do think there are some question marks and three-point shooting like i mentioned um so i do think there are some question marks i i'm i'm not going to get too too mad about it but uh at the end of the day you know they're going to have some some early season matchups obviously like niagara coppin state with Juan dixon back in the xfinity center that'll be a cool one uh but yeah i i think that's kind of kind of justified as things currently stand yeah I, I don't really have high expectations for this year to be honest with you it was kind of just like a feeler out kind of year with willard just kind of getting his feet wet within the program and getting his recruiting roots dug in here uh so for me to, to be honest with you i think he's above expectations in my opinion so far as far as keeping the guys at home that we were worried about potentially losing we got that 
getting some big name recruits in, some transfers in. We got that, right? If they finish 10th or 11th in the Big Ten this year, I'm not going to be disappointed with that. My thing is I want to see what the style of play looks like, what the product looks like on the court, and how different is it from the the name we're not going to mention for a third time era uh, and how different that is. Yeah, I mean – I, I would like that to be bumped up those two spots to get into that eight nine realm where you might have a shot at making a tournament might have a shot at being at least discussed as a bubble team would be great um, because you're at 11 you're not going to be discussed as even a bubble team no um, so that's where my actual expectations are will I be mad at what this is no but do I hope for more? What do I of want more? I mean, of course I want a national championship, but reality that's not happening with this squad. It's, it's out. So, so we, the hope is for me to make a tournament in his first year. Yeah. I think, I think in my mind right now, I do have this team as a bubble team. Um, so I, I think that's, I think that is, that is kind of realistic. So, um, you know, like, like we said, I think there's a lot of excitement now. It's all going to be about, you know, how, how this team gels together from, uh, now until October. So it'll be, uh, it'll be pretty interesting to watch. Well, speaking of national championships, Ryan, let's talk football. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> you need to calm, calm yourself down. I saw you on Twitter earlier. Uh, listen, it was said mostly in jest. I know. Though I, I have know. put a, a little money on it just in case. <laughs> One in Rome. That's right. Not, not a ton going on with the football squad, but a couple things that we did want to point out. Uh, you know, one of the guys that we were real high on, we thought we might even lose this season uh, to the NFL draft, but he's coming back in what's going to be a very deep offensive line group bearing injury Uh, offensive tackle, Jalen Duncan, Jim Nagy actually highlighted a lot of his uh, points as to why he's going to be a top prospect in this upcoming NFL draft next year. Why to me, Jalen Duncan is again, if unless he were to get injured or anything for me is a surefire second round or third round pick as of right now in next year's draft, but he has the potential to be a first round pick guy. Yeah, absolutely. He's getting really high praise. You know, six six three twenty with with movement is what they're talking about. How much quicker his feet are than a man of that size. We've seen it since day one as a freshman. He's been very productive in the Big Ten, where line play is at a premium. I was shocked that he came back for this final season. I think if any person decided to leave on that line that he would have left as well that there was a lot of peer pressure of we are all coming back so let's do this one more time that helped us out with this so i i agree i mean you know we already have the number one overall pick in the pll and number one overall pick in the mls and maybe we can get a number one pick in the nfl draft let's go (laughs) Jalen. i I think you know i'll I'll be honest too i thought you know duncan was probably uh i i I had him pegged to leave uh kind of going into that bowl game um so with him announcing on the sidelines that he was going to come back for another year that was obviously a huge boost and then you get a guy like dj glaze and uh trying to figure out the 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 roster rotation but you know it's maryland's in a good spot right now and i think when you look back at duncan his first season under Loxley, Loxley talked about, and I agreed. I noticed it as well. But just the transformation from the you know the 2019 season from game one to the end of the season, you know I, there was steady improvement, and he looked like a different player. And I think at this point, you know, obviously he was out draft eligible last year. He's draft eligible again this year. So with him, it possibly you know 
showing more consistency, especially against the, those top matchups, uh, top opponents. I think that that's kind of the big thing. So um, definitely, definitely a uh, position of strength for, for this Maryland offense right now. You talk about matchups. I know uh, Nagy had actually highlighted the Michigan tape versus Hutchinson at Ajabo. Can't match up for as much more than that. Would have both been <laughs> top 15 picks in the NFL draft yeah. had it not been the injury for Ajabo. Thankfully, that, that went brutal. to the Ravens. That worked out well for us, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, I'm just, I'm excited about this offensive line group for a multitude of reasons. One, uh, I think a lot of football is one in the trenches. We've talked about that. It ends. And this team is probably going to be the deepest group of offensive linemen that we've had in a very, very long time. Uh, and then another year of development with Talia having that offensive line in front of him. We, he already set all the program records for passing yards and everything that you know he did last year. Him taking that next step, getting his wide receiver core back. You got Rack in an NFL draft year. You got Copeland coming in on a transfer, right? He's and and you got eventually, you know, Dante Demas coming back, who was his number one guy last year when he was healthy. I I think it all just in a domino effect, man. It just leads. It's going to be leading to a very successful and a very high output offense. That's what has me most excited, including a win in Ann Arbor, Michigan, with Shell and Tell in attendance. We've already bought our plane <laughs> tickets. Uh, we have booked. not bought our, our football tickets yet, but they will be coming here shortly. So there Ann Arbor will be the Shell and Tell Big Ten trip this year. Uh, All I'm are excited welcome. For it. <laughs> I'm excited for it. So Ahmed, talk to us a little bit about some uh, transfers in rolling in. I know there were some names yep. that came up over the last week or two. Yeah, uh, Maryland announced three transfers today, and all of them have already enrolled. Uh, Billy Edwards is the uh, younger brother of uh, quarterback GA uh, Kyle Edwards. Uh, he's a former Wake Forest guy, uh, for, former Wake Forest quarterback, uh, Ty, friend of Ty Felton out of high school as well. Uh, has four years of eligibility left, and then you have uh, Kushan Fuller, his defensive end. He can play outside linebacker and fill that you know Jack spot a little That's bit. Good. But I kind of see him as as a defensive end right now as a. From a four-star product out of uh, Florida State, and the big reason why Maryland was able to get him uh, just really days out after he entered the transfer portal, they got him up on campus for uh, an official visit, uh, was because of the relationship that Loxley had while at Alabama uh, recruiting Fuller. Uh, when when Fuller signed with Florida State, they were undergoing a coaching change at the time, uh, so that's you know just kind of keeping the, that open line of communication. Uh, once he was able to to you know become L eight available again uh that helped swoop that in pretty easily and then uh former liberty defensive tackle uh henry chibuezzi uh he's a guy he has two years of eligibility left don't believe i said it fuller has three left uh edwards has four but uh chibuezzi i think he's might be as important if not slightly more important than fuller just because i think uh he does a really good job he can play nose tackle and 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 he helps maryland uh, next year, probably move to a four three if they need be. So uh, I think that, uh, yeah, like I mentioned, you know, all three of these guys are already on campus. Um, so uh, Maryland has a couple scholarships left available. Uh, so we'll see how it all shakes out. But uh, definitely, definitely good to beef up the defensive line. Yeah, I, I talked about this on uh, the inside black and gold boards, but I do want to bring it up. Billy Edwards, this guy's got some talent. He's got some arm talent. He looks like a good prospect. But for us to, everyone jumped up and said. He, we got our QB2. We had our QB2 last year. Reese Udinsky was clearly our QB2. It was who it was going to be. He was very good. If if we lost Talia, God forbid, we had somebody we knew was going to be there. I don't know who our QB2 is. He is a, this is another guy to compete with this, but he's not ready. I mean, I watched the whole third quarter of that Georgia Tech spring game, and my man throws to his first read. I You, you can... 
Take a one second. You can look, put your finger where he's looking, and that's where the ball's going 100% of the time. I think he's going to be really good someday. But, guys, this whole season is about keeping QB1 up. That's what it is. You're 100% right in that regard. It's, I mean, it's going to be about Leon. And, you know, same as last year, I think Udinsky was more than capable. And he's at Richmond now. And I was just telling a, a local coach earlier about, you know, hour before we recorded. I think he is 100% going to be uh, in the NFL draft. Hear his name next year. Uh, but the reason why I think Billy Edwards still is QB2 is because you're bringing in Jaden Surrey, you're bringing in Cam Edge, and they're going to enroll. Um, Billy Edwards at least has experience. One, he has experience in college, uh, you know, getting used to the college space, uh, pace of things, um, and just acclimating himself. And two, he is very familiar with the offense, with Maron's playbook, uh, coming into his decision. Um, so that I think it kind of gives him an added bonus, not saying that, you know, he's going to come in and, you know, if Talia goes down, God forbid, you know, Billy Edwards is going to be able to come in and, you know, kind of be that guy, like, you know, to maintain that same level. And I'm not saying that because that would be a huge burden. And Reese uh, Ed- would not have probably maintained the same level, but it was less scary. I, I yeah. this, he could very well yeah, be QB too, but I, you don't want you this had QB2 somebody that was year. proven that had won at a program <laughs> yeah. and, had, and had some and games. That's not what we have right now. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, that. I think that, I think that's, perfectly perfectly reasonable i i i get it from that regard i i I definitely didn't want it to come across from my perspective at least that he's going to come in and be like oh you know talia pushing for time or something yeah (laughs) exactly like it's definitely it's definitely not gonna be that talia this is this is talia's offense he has the keys to the offense so um, i just think billy edwards kind of you know i mean they wanted you know a guy a little bit more experience you remember the shepherd qb tyson badgett uh, who I genuinely thought, I mean, it sounded like it was at that, at the end of the day, it was, you know, going to come down to, you know, NIL opportunities at Maryland and uh, sounded like at the end of the day, he's like, oh, it's not a, not a sure thing. So whatever, enjoy Shepard. But um, I think, you know, just being able to, to get a guy that is familiar, I think that was kind of a, an added bonus. Um, I believe it was uh, Notre Dame and a couple others uh, that were in pursuit. Uh, I wrote, wrote it a day after he committed, you know, there were several other power five schools that were interested in him. Um, so Maryland wanted to find an experienced quarterback, but uh, weren't able to do so. Uh, obviously with Talia, I mean, it's just a hard, hard, it's a hard sell. sell. You, Come here and it, be number two. You're not competing. It, it was, right. And it was a hard sell last year. Cause you had to, start, I mean, it was kind of laughable, you know, telling Reese Udinsky, Oh, you're going to compete with Talia. And like yeah. everyone, and the ACL helped. I'm sure that yeah. people yeah. stopped fighting. So, for <laughs> so based on what you know, and based on what you've seen, how much are you putting Edwards above Nigerian and Faust that we already have on the roster? Uh, I'm I'm putting him above. I think I think Nigerian. I think for example, I think he he can do it. Um, like I think you know Miloxi's been able to turn to him, but I think I think Billy Edwards uh, just restocking the the scholarship quarterbacks. I think that was kind of the big thing. Not saying that you know I'm definitely not saying that they're in, incapable at all because I, I think both of them, Nigerian especially. Uh, during that 2020 season, I think he did a really good job. Um, and obviously, Maryland, you know, they had a walk-on quarterback, uh, Zach Jackson, that left the program yeah. early this offseason. So I think just being able to find someone, uh, you know, to to kind of restock the room a little bit. So I, I I do think that, you know, if something does fall or, you know, if it's a blowout, you know, that week three matchup, uh, I think, you know, Billy Edwards is going to be that that first guy. Um, you know, maybe they, you know, maybe they give Cam Edge and Jaden Saray a, a series or two each to just, you know, get themselves ready, get their feet wet. So, um, it'll be, it'll be kind of interesting, but I do think, uh, I think it'll be interesting next year, you know, when you have three underclassmen quarterbacks and, 
you know, at the end of the day, in the, the age of the transfer portal, uh, <laughs> they not everyone's staying. Somebody. Right. So, um, so it, it, it you know, it, you, you take it year by year. But uh, for now, I think just having that familiarity with the offense kind of helps. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the two incoming freshmen. Did you see either one of them in Edge or Saray kind of getting any opportunities early on and maybe getting some looks early on? Yeah, I think, you know, Maryland definitely wants to maximize the, you know, the four game redshirt possibility. I mean, they were you know, good at that saw, last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you saw, I mean, it was uh, what DJ Glaze and Emilia Moran along the offensive line, all three of the, or both those guys were able to play in all 13 games last year. So, like, Maryland gets creative and, you know, getting these guys experience, getting them, uh, you know, used to more than just reps in practice. So, uh, I think quarterback's always interesting, though, because, you know, it's, it's either got to be a blowout in one direction or the other. So, right. Um, it, and especially quarterback, it's not like it's not like receiver where you can, you know, you get like, you know, Octavian Smith, Shalik not. It's like you can get them in. Um, so I think I do think that Marion will try and and get creative, get them some experience. Uh, but how it'll be done, I do not have that answer. Gotcha. So you mentioned Octavian Smith and Shalik Knotts, two wide receivers that are highly touted and we're all super excited about. Tell us a little bit more about this 2022 class enrollees coming in in June. Yeah, Loxley said, uh, I believe it was in an uh, uh, interview last week where he said you know, a lot of these guys are going to enroll June 18th through 19th. So, uh, you know, Octavian Smith, Shalik Knotts, uh, cornerback uh, Lionel Whitaker, uh, linebacker Kellen Wyatt, who I got a chance to see over the weekend, and Ramon Brown, his former four star, who Maryland really is able to swoop in uh, from Virginia That's Tech. That's a big game. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Jacavian Onar and Keon Kindred, both guys, uh, they were planning to enroll early, uh, but they'll now be here in June. Colton Deary is another guy from Alvin Prep who's going to be wrestling for Maryland. So uh, the full 22 class will will be in in a short amount of uh, time. And, um, you know, numbers are going to be back to where they need it to be. I know it was a big, big issue during the spring. All right, so I'm going to put you guys' feet to the fire a little bit. Out of that list of 2022 classes that are coming in, who's your guy? Who's who's the guy that you're most excited about, the guy that you want to see, and why? So how quickly, I forgot. I I prepared for this a little bit that I who my favorite people were, and I forgot about Colton Deary. As soon as you said wrestling, all the things I knew about him triggered back into yeah. my head about how excited we were. We talked about him with the playing center for him and how the wrestling background helps in that position. The, the I, Ravens just drafted a center with a very similar I, background. Yeah, I think <laughs> that, I think he's probably the one, but I'm going to go with who I was I was going to say before before that clicked back in my head. Give man some credit. Daniel Owens out of Calvert Hall. I just love that you're getting a guy in here. D-O. 6-3-2-20. That's a frame you can build on for a college kid. Uh, he's listed at um, at defensive line and on three. I've also seen them. You know, he's outside linebacker type, rush rush type deal. Right. Um, the kid can build on his frame. And I like the local kid. I love the Calvert Hall ties. Of course, we're all from up, from up here. So uh, I hope he does well with the Terps. Ahmed? Yeah, I'm going to go Kellen Wyatt. Um, I've kind of been really high on him all the time, and I think he's a guy. I, I love Daniel Owens. I think Kellen Wyatt's a guy that he kind of fits perfectly at the Sam, and that's kind of a position that Maryland really needs uh, help at. Um, and I got a chance to watch him over the weekend, like I said, uh, trading with uh, Ferran Carter, uh, the uh, the father of uh, uh, Jameer, Jameer Carter at uh, UVA right now. So, um, he, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he has a really good frame to him. Uh, he was able to play some defensive end uh, outside linebacker last year, got creative. Um, so I think that he's going to be able to be a guy that maybe, you know, despite not being able to to be on campus for, you know, full off season, uh, I think, I think he, he should be able to find himself in the field. 
All right, for me, it's going to be two guys. It's Ramon Brown and Shalik Knotts. If I got to pick one, it's got to be Shalik Knotts. We talked about how talented this wide receiver core is, right, already. Well, you got to keep that pipeline moving. Because there's so much talent, a lot of these guys are going to end up leaving. You got, you know, Rakeem Jarrett, who's eventually going to go to the NFL more than likely next year. Uh, You got Dante Demas in his last year, right? So you got to have that pipeline moving. And I think Shalik Knotts, to your point, will probably get a good amount of run. It's easier to sneak a wide receiver in and get him some, some, some plays. Uh, I think we'll see him get some work, and I think he's a guy who can make an immediate impact uh, as a freshman this year, even if it is in limited snaps. I'm excited about him being the future at wide receiver. I love one. seeing his commitment yeah. stick because you know a lot of changes in that QB room before he he was committed to Maryland. Before we lost our wide receivers coach and everything else, of course we've ended up in a very good spot with Gunnar Brewer, so that can't that yeah, can't hurt. Be. But uh, but uh, it's it's always good when you see that early big time commitment stick, no matter what's happening with the program. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, Ramon Brown, uh, a wide or a running back core right now that's got a lot of youth on it, right? It's got a lot of potential, but it is a very young uh, running back group. You're adding to that and a guy like Ramon Brown. He's super exciting. Again, another guy that was recruited heavily with some of the big blue bloods. It's a big uh, boy for running back again. Yeah, another we're, we're yeah, another bruiser. <laughs> another bruiser, but he's got speed too. So uh, he'll be exciting and I'm sure he'll get some run early on with the squad as well. Yeah. So we got to bring back the uh, the exciting segment that I know a lot of fans have been asking us to to bring back, and that's the mailbag where you guys get a chance to ask us questions, and we'll answer them for you live on air. Uh, so we'll start this one out with uh, with Googs, our buddy Googs on Twitter. He asks, with the scheduling of Tennessee and UCLA on the basketball roster, what's another team or teams you would like to see added for more men's basketball? Duke, fuck Shire. Yeah. <laughs> need to, need yes. to play him. Like, honestly, it's an absolute shame that Coach K is so small-minded that he never played Maryland after they left the ACC. So, yeah, play him again. I packed that damn state arena. I, I, I want to see that game again. Sure. So, I mean, I've given it's up. Like not even, it's not even close. <laughs> not even close in my mind. I think as long as Krzyzewski's alive, much less coaching, we're never going to see that matchup. So that wasn't on my top list here. Uh, I'll take the other UT. I want some more Texas in my life. I want to continue the Maryland <laughs> domination of Texas. I hope we run that till I die. I just really like how overhyped the Longhorns are at everything always. And therefore, you always have a chance of being the underdog that wins because they are always overhyped. Yeah, I mean, you stole my thunder. I was going to say Duke, too. But you know what? I'll make it more broad. I want to see a lot of the ACC matchups come back just for the nostalgia of the old guy in me. You know, I want to see the Dukes, the North Carolinas of the world. I want to see them all back because that's when basketball, for me, was its most fun. You know, those rivalries, uh, just the packed cold field house. It was it was like an environment that I've I, you've never experienced again. Xfinity Center is a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. But back in the day at Cold Field House, hot as hell. And those matchups versus Duke in North Carolina, it was intense. It was loud. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, Ahmed was eight. <laughs> uh, all right. So the next question comes from Googs as well. Uh, this on the, uh, the football side of things. It says, for football, what position group outside of wide receiver – are you most looking forward to seeing uh, how they improve this season and why? The big boys, if I answered anything different, Ellis would stop returning my text messages. Let the offensive line coming back all together is just going to be something we've never seen before. I can't ever remember it. And that's how you build. That Minnesota squad that was so dominant was built on long 
long-standing relationships on that offensive line. Big, dominant dudes that came back year after year and made it work. And I really think that we could be that squad. And it's going to be up to them how far we go this year. Because, again, your job is to keep QB1 in the game and to make very young running backs look like studs. So if that happens, it's the big guys that did it. Ahmed? Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think um, just to go with a different answer, I think uh, the running back room, I think it'll be kind of interesting. Obviously, you know, you have a veteran with with Challen coming back. And I think, you know, I think he does provide, you know, he has a role in the room, you know, even with the other running backs. But just seeing, you know, the younger guys, you know, Roman Hemby, Antoine Littleton, you know, those guys are going to get roles. And obviously you have Colby McDonald, who's been able to show a lot. Um, and I thought that he would be more of a receiving back in college, but he's kind of shown that, you know, he can be in every it's down back. Stuff. And then, yeah, exactly. And then Ramon Brown, he's a much, he's a great size uh, and he can really do it all too. So I think when, if, if that running, rushing attack is able to, you know, find its footing and Maryland's offense is able to go two dimensional a little bit, I think, uh, I think that really helps the you know the, this twenty two team um, and kind of possibly changes the tra- trajectory of uh, you know how the season goes. I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach to this answer, and I say the most I guess the position group I'm looking forward to seeing how much they improve is going to be the secondary because it's going to be the biggest challenge, right? You've got a new group of starting safeties out there. You had a lot of departures uh, at the cornerback position, right? You got you know. Late still, departures. <laughs> right. You had a lot of late departures. You got still stepping into a leadership role now and another guy who has NFL aspirations and that kind of thing, right? I'm interested to see what this squad can do and how fast they can grasp things and what the product will look like on the field. And I feel like you and I are much more worried about that than Ahmed, which makes me feel pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question comes from our buddy on Twitter, the A Franklin 13. He says, What team do you think the Terps have the best chance of an upset against, assuming we are the underdogs? I already answered Football. this question. It's Michigan. We're going to be there. We're going to beat Michigan. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's your answer. I'll, I'll go Penn State. I think Penn State, you know, I think they're losing a lot on defense, and I'm not really sold on the offense. I think Jahan Dodson is obviously, you know, that's a huge loss for him. And, you know, all the talk is about Parker Washington up there, you know, just kind of assuming that role as, you know, the kind of the dynamic guy in the offensive room. Um, so I, I do think they're beatable. I do think that with what Maryland does have on offense, I think that they at least have the firepower to, you know, go shot for shot with Penn State if that comes to it. But I don't know that Penn State does have that firepower. I think the rushing attack, there there are some concerns there. So I think I think this is a beatable team. Granted, it is in Penn State this year, so that is going to be tough. Yeah. And it's not going to be 2020. That's going to be, you know, that's going to be 107,000 in there. Um, and uh, I hate to say it, but Demian Robinson is talking all kinds of trash. So um, it, they're, they're, he's going to get that team fired up. And obviously with the Maryland contingency on that Penn State team, you know, they want to be able to reestablish dominance, but I think you know Maryland. They have the talent to go up against them, and um, you know if they do that, that Loxley is two and two against Penn State, which would be a huge selling point on the recruiting trail. <sighs> well, since you guys took two of the answers, I probably would have used. I'm not going to say Ohio State because Ohio State's absolutely <laughs> unrealistic. They're going to be a top one yeah. or two team in the country all year. They are absolutely low. The good news is, if we do that, we will have been undefeated till then. So it'll be a lot of fun right. to watch. <laughs> and for all the reasons you just mentioned, Ahmed, I hope we stick it to Penn State. So I'm right there with you. I- I'm going to ride with Ryan on this one. I, I am going to go Michigan uh, because I think there are some question marks on 
on the team, they just lost a lot of talent right now. Granted, they've got a lot of talent coming in. Uh, and there was this whole, you know, is Jim Harbaugh coming? Is he staying? Is he going? What's he doing? Uh, I think there's some question marks there that might leave them vulnerable. Uh, and hopefully the, the shell and tell brings them some luck. Yeah. And we win on the road in Ann Arbor. I'd, I'd be real happy with that. Not to mention, I hope Harbaugh just falls apart on his face. They already got him under contract now. That would really screw Michigan. And then we could stop having Michigan players on the Ravens. That'd be great, too. So, <laughs> I mean, both these things are wins. Right. I agree. <laughs> All right. So the next question comes for Papi Chulo on the uh, forums and inside Black and Gold. What's up with our boy Harbor? And we don't know, so Ahmed. <laughs> so uh, Harbor has his top seven right now, and just kind of from Maryland's perspective, you know they'll they're not gonna push for an official until you know late winter. And it's honestly, a bad I idea think with somebody this big. <laughs> well, I think I think that I'd, I'd argue that it's smart because you know you're going up against a lot of these big boys, and you know you're able to uh, kind of show the full product, and you know show at the end of the day you don't want to be for, you don't want to bring him in in June. Like he's probably going to go on an official visit to South Carolina later this month, and. You know, at the end of the day, what happens in June versus, you know, what happens in the fall, you know, if South Carolina has a bad season, you know, that it, they already use their official. So I think Maryland being able to use that, um, that at the end of the day or at the end of the season, excuse me, um, that that's kind of the big thing. So right now um, he's going to be taking a couple visits. Uh, nothing set in stone with Maryland so far. He, I thought that there was a chance that he comes up for the first seven on seven, but that did not happen. Uh, Coach Harris said that uh, they, they did not. Uh, they did not end up, you know, finalizing that one. So uh, right now, I think right now the biggest thing is, you know, kind of getting the track and field situation sorted. Um, you know, it's not a huge selling point because he has good relationships, but just showing him that, hey, you know, you can be just as successful in football as you can in basketball and er, track. Excuse me, um, USC. You know, their school to probably watch out for the most. Yeah. Michigan. You know, he has you know, the, the family up in Michigan and whatnot. Uh, I think those those ties are definitely genuine. Uh, but I think USC is going to be the the top school to watch because you know uh, when you talk about nil uh you know <laughs> yeah, i was just about start, to say yeah i was gonna say because you know let's be real you know there's dirty money and all that stuff and usc can offer that but they can also offer real nil opportunities and that's that's what's scary yeah so if there's anything i can add papachulo if usc is in the conversation temper expectations is all i'm gonna say on i have no idea no insight or anything they, that's just my they, first they vibe seem to have <laughs> unlimited bag like yeah. unlimited bag yeah, so it'll be interesting. I, 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 that's going to be the biggest test for, for Maryland's NIL. And I just want to so. clear up on this. I was not uh, disagreeing with Maryland's plan. I was agreeing. Like, you don't want to put somebody that this level feet to the fire when you're Maryland that we need your answer now. Like, we're not that guy. We're not Alabama. It's like, I need to know where we're moving on. We're like, hey, we're here when you need us. Right, yeah, <laughs> right. All right, so the last question of the day from the mailbag comes from Unqualified on the uh, Inside Black and Gold forums. What, if any, plans does the school or boosters have in place to help locks be competitive with NIL? Yeah, so Maryland, you know, they're they're trying to get some stuff squared away on the basketball side, but obviously on the football side, it's going to be probably closer to the season where, you know, they have some more plans in place, if not midseason. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, you have the 503, uh, 503C uh, where you're able to get the, the, fan, the fan NIL collective. Um, but, you know, going to be honest, it's a lot. You know, I've heard I was actually talking with someone today about it, a uh, business that was, you know, trying to work with Maryland and say, hey, you know, we're kind of giving you a, a serviceable platform to, you know, market your athletes and whatnot. And um, just to be completely transparent, they said, you know, Maryland's not being very proactive in responding to emails and getting back to them. So wow. um, I think the the aspiration and the execution are two different things right now. 
Um, so Loxley, I mean, I went to the uh, trips on tour uh, in Frederick uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, and, you know, Loxley was pretty transparent. You know, this is the time, you know, fans used to always ask me, hey, you know, uh, you guys always ask me, how can we win? How can we be competitive? And, you know, now is the time where he can kind of turn that question around and say, you know, what, you know, how can you help us remain competitive? Because this is what we need. I mean, Ryan Day just said he needs $12, $13 million to keep his roster intact. James Franklin said more than that. So um, I think Maryland, you know, right now, they're they're trying to work with it. Um, and I also do know that there is a concern, you know, from the athletic department standpoint, when you talk about, you know, NIL and, and, and whatnot, um, when you're asking fans to, you know, donate to the NIL, you're also asking fans to donate, you know, Terrapin Club and, you know, because to help fund those scholarships. So it's kind of the double-edged sword right now. So um, there are things that are in the works uh, to kind of help players' marketability. And obviously, Maryland's working with open doors. But uh, from, you know, to, to, to be competitive in the Texas A&M standpoint, uh, Maryland is yeah. not there yet. Um, it's it's going to take a couple more months. That's my thing is, first of all, I'm sad to hear Maryland not fielding phone calls well. That's yeah. just yeah, absolutely that's staff, man. Like, the, you know, that's all fine and good, but it's the probably second most important thing going on right now. So, like, find somebody that's got some pointless job. I work at a place that's got pointless jobs. Every place I have have pointless jobs. And so your job now is NIL, period. You answer the phone anytime anyone calls. Yeah, like, there's I somebody agree. sitting there doing something that's duplicate of somebody else. It's too big of a of a place to not be true. So yeah. that's I mean, number one. Number two is to unqualified. What is your definition of competitive? Because are we trying to be competitive with Ohio State or even Penn State, or even a and AM in Alabama. No, it's literally never going to happen. Like it's just not. The donor base is crazy bigger and has been established. We're not going to be an LSU. Can we get a way better than where we are? Sure, it definitely happen. Um, the whales at Maryland that haven't been tapped just don't care. So winning needs to happen first. I mean, we got big time stars in L.A. that are Maryland graduates, but they're hanging out in L.A. and they're L.A. people now. But if their alma mater is all of a sudden winning 10, 11 wins a year, I bet it's a lot easier to get those checkbooks open. We saw President Pines out there with uh, the uh, the guy, uh, Kirby and Susan got it. What's his name? It's a Maryland Larry grad. David. Harry da- Larry David. Yeah, thanks. Sorry. Um, good. Like, does he care about Maryland right now? Probably not. You, you start getting into conversations. There's a lot of money sitting in that pocket. Yeah, it's just the reality of it. It's got you got to do something first when you're where Maryland's at. Yeah, I think just kind of you know, um, you know, Maryland just doesn't have the same sample size. And I'm, I'm like not making excuses. Just you know, kind of reality. Maryland doesn't have the same you know level of boosters that will will uh, be willing to donate their wealth to the program. You know, you're kind of circulating between you know the same small group of guys, whereas you know the, these other schools they have more. But to your point, you know. Uh, being competitive to the Ohio States and the Penn States, like Maryland has to, like they, they have to be competitive at some point or else you're, I mean, you're, you're honestly risking becoming temple or worse at that point. Right. Um, so they have to figure it out. Like it's not uh it's not an if and or, but like if, if you, cause if you don't, then it, it's, it's literally going to be a sinking ship. So I don't know. Um, we always talked about when we got into the big 10, that the goal was to compete for third. Like I didn't, I didn't think it was realistic yeah. to frequently be in the number one conversation at all. So if we're in the conversation for third, two, three weeks out from the end of the end of the season, that's where I think this program is going to stay and can make a lot of money and a lot of happy people. If you're coming in third every third year, like, and 
So Ohio State to me is just completely unrealistic and will never happen. I hope I'm wrong. I I don't think I think I am arguably the biggest football fan in this conversation right now. I die for it. But like I just don't I don't think it's there. So your your expectation with the football squad is similar to what the basketball squad would be because I mean if your expectation is to get to a level of where you're competing for third every year, football is one or two losses difference from going from third to first because if you win that game in overtime against Ohio State hey, we and you're in third place, first, great. That's what I'm oh, saying. Yes. So but that's that's <laughs> kind of what the realistic expectations is not what the fan base expectations are, but it's what the realistic fan base expectations yeah. should be for basketball and I think football can and get there and we're showing progress towards that under Loxley right now it's just it's not going to happen overnight people need to be patient this is going to be another two to three years before we Look, start seeing that kind of progress I really hope I get to see a college football playoff in my life I don't think it's happening but I expect and I want and I demand a Rose Bowl out of this team like that's so it's just it's just where it is like that's I that's what I need Anything other, I will empty my bank account and be at the college football playoff. I do not care. Whatever oh, that ticket there. costs, if we were in a college football playoff, I will understand that is my one and only attempt at seeing this in my lifetime, and it will be whatever it costs. So, you know, it is what it is. But I, my expectation is like, right where I, I don't think I've changed it much. It's I want to compete for third and I want to get a Rose Bowl. I want to get big time games where I want to play on January 1st. Like, I don't think I don't think it's completely unrealistic. And I also don't think that it's going to happen right now. (laughs) No, it's not going to happen now. But I mean, like I said, you know, they they got to get it toward it. So the plan is, you know, they to kind of unveil some things. Uh, It sounds like, you know, August, September, hopefully um, it's just it's just not not at that same point where you're hundred percent confident that it's, you know, going to be the ultimate solution. So we'll see what happens at the end of the day, you know, hopefully Maryland's able to, you know, unveil and then adapt and, you know, just kind of go from there. So, um, so we'll see. We will for sure. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in this week as always. Hey, if you haven't done so already, make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Everything is Shell and Tell Pod. If you want to be a part of mailbag questions, make sure you send them to us on Twitter uh, or you can hit up Ahmed in the Inside Black and Gold forums. Uh, we appreciate your comments, yeah. man. It makes the show a lot more fun when we have the interaction. And absolutely, anyone's comments that are in the Inside the Black and gold forum they will be represented on the show you hit us up on yep. twitter we will add them if we can but you know we end up having the inside black and gold take over that's just the way it's gonna be so just another perk of that great site that he's building over there to take over the world <laughs> one day at a time well again we appreciate you guys tuning in uh, as we get closer and closer to football season slowly but surely happening nfl season getting ready to start hopefully and then the ncaa will start right behind it Ryan, sign us off. All right, we are 86 days while recording, probably 85 or 84 while you're hearing me. Football <laughs> is coming, baby. If you have not tuned into our countdown, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We got all the player countdowns coming. It's a lot of fun. A lot of the players really enjoy it. Get everybody a little bit of credit, a little cool edit to share. It's been a lot of fun doing it. I hope you guys are enjoying it as well. Please. Let's bring that baseball enthusiasm to the show. Let's pack it out this year. Let's have a lot of fun and celebrate all that Maryland sports has done. Until next time, here's to wishing all is well under the shell.